The Philadelphia Eagles were one of many teams to start their rookie minicamp today, bringing in their draftees, undrafted free agents, and some minicamp invites. What position unit might have the best go of it trying to make this 53-man roster? And they handed out some jersey numbers today. Some good, some not so good. We break it all down here on today's edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rookie minicamp is kicked off around the National Football League, and the Philadelphia Eagles were one of those teams bringing in nearly 30 players between their draftees, undrafted free agents, and some minicamp invites, and they handed out jersey numbers as well. We're going to break it all down here on today's edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast. And for those joining us today on this Friday edition of the show, I'm your host, Gino Camilleri. As always, we thank our everydayers for joining us here on the show, whether it's your first, 10th, 100th, or 1,000th episode with us here. We thank you over at the Locked On Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team each and every day. We thank you for making us your first listen wherever you get your podcast or watching us over on YouTube as well. And the NFL schedule, man, Roger Goodell has it down to a science. This is a 12-month ordeal. Just when you think things are going to slow down a little bit, the draft is coming gone. Nope, we're right back into the midst of rookie minicamp, a big event in Philadelphia. They have a draft class where they bring in seven players. They have nine undrafted for agents. They have 14 minicamp invites. Heck, they even invited Samus Reyes, who is a former tight end of the Washington Commanders. They brought in Charleston Rambo, who is Jalen Hurts' number two receiver at Oklahoma, who just finished up his XFL season. And they're just trying to find those guys that are going to be the diamonds in the rough to potentially be back-end roster guys while those rookies that they drafted are just getting in as many reps as possible. And every year, there's one or two or heck, even three last year, undrafted free agents that have a potential to make the roster. And usually it comes down to, at the end of the draft, agents are talking to their clients and saying, okay, let's look at the 32 depth charts in the National Football League. Let's break down where teams are heavy. Let's break down where teams are light. And if X team calls and that position group matches up with what your position is, and you believe you have a chance, most times you're going to go and sign with that team. And other times, it's just another guy that they want to bring in who they had some interest in in the draft process. Maybe a kid is a hometown kid and you want to bring him in. Regardless, it's an opportunity to get eyes on 30-plus guys that you haven't seen in pads, in person, until today. During the interview process, you find out a lot. You get to break down film with them, but you never really get to coach them up until you get them in pads. And rookie minicamp, it's only a weekend long. Guys can bounce around from different minicamps. You can go from one and go to another if it happens to be a different weekend. But at the end of the day, it usually comes down to the current rookies who got drafted getting reps. Some UDFAs will stick around and more than likely be on the practice squad. And those guys that get minicamp invites, it's a long shot, but it can happen. So let's take a look at who the Eagles brought in 
And let's look at some of the positions where they might have a legitimate chance to make this roster and follow in the footsteps of Reed Blankenship and other individuals who never got their name called on draft day, but they came into the building and they made a serious impression. So we will start with their undrafted free agent class. They start with Makai Gardner, cornerback out of LSU, Jaden Hazelwood, a wide receiver out of Arkansas, Joseph Nada, a wide receiver out of Clemson, Chim Okorafor, I believe he went to Benedictine in Kansas. That is correct. Ben Van Summeren, Michigan State linebacker. Eli Ricks, Alabama corner. Brady Russell, tight end out of Colorado. Trevor Reed, offensive tackle out of Louisville. And Ty Zentner is the only other punter that they brought into the building to compete with Aaron Sipos out of Kansas State. And we'll state the obvious. I think you would have to believe that Zentner, out of everybody, has the easiest chance when there's only one guy ahead of him. But you add in who they brought in minicamp, and it might give you a better indication of where they're trying to find guys on the back end of their roster. They bring in running backs TJ Cole and Toa Tau out of Wichita Baptist and Nevada, respectively. Jalen Hall, wide receiver out of Western Kentucky. Gavin Holmes, wide receiver out of Baylor. Garrett Mag, wide receiver out of North Dakota. Just one tight end in Jordan Murray out of Hawaii. Taiwan Garbett on the edge out of Virginia Tech. Johnny Buchanan, J.C. Cox, and Deshaun White, linebackers out of Delaware, West Virginia, and Oklahoma. Cornerback Bentley Sanders out of Nevada. Safety Xavier Bell out of Portland State. And long snapper, heck, they brought in a long snapper, Dalton Godfrey. So if I'm just looking at their UDFA pool, I'm looking at where they went heavy with those positions with the minicamp invites as well, and where they might be a little bit lighter on the roster. I think first and foremost, you have to go to the linebacker position. Because right now, you have Nicobe Dean, who's coming into his first true year as a starter. Nicholas Morrow, you signed as one of these one-year one hit wonder type of guys where it could be another Kaiser white situation that he plays well. And he's out of town the very next year. And then beyond that, it's Sean Bradley, who has been a career special teamer, Christian Ellis, who really knows what he is. And then Davian Taylor on the back end of the practice squad. I don't really see any of them being surefire 53 man roster guys outside of N'Kobe Dean and Nicholas Morrow. Will they probably go heavier and use some of those roster positions for the outside linebacker, that that edge-rushing type of role? More than likely. But man, if you're bringing in four linebackers, Ben Van Summeren, who got a boatload of guaranteed money from this team as a UDFA, as well as three on minicamp offers, at a position where you lose your two starters, man, Van Summeren made a pretty solid decision. Whoever his agent is, shout out to him. I know the Eagles gave him a fair amount of guaranteed money, but that's a smart decision. When you have only maybe one guy who is not a replacement-level starter, Nicholas Morrow, he's a replacement-level guy. That's why he was a free agent. That's why he got a one-year minimal deal. If you're looking at it, Van Summeren has a legitimate chance to make this roster. Why is that? Well, he's a good athlete. He's at a position that they so badly need. 
And I don't think they want to pay another guy a lot of guaranteed money as a UDFA like they did with Carson Strong and see that guy walk out the door just a few months later. Will he be a 53-man guy right away? Maybe not. Can he get there towards the middle of the season if he's on the practice squad and one of the Eagles' backers goes down? Absolutely. Regardless, he's going to be on the practice squad. But could he be on the 53? You would be stunned. The Eagles don't have much talent at linebacker. Riddle me that. Color me shocked. That's one of those positions that, hey, at the end of the day, if Van Summeren is starting next to Nicobe Dean in six, seven months from now, would anybody be shocked? Maybe. You probably didn't write it that way. You probably thought TJ Edwards or Kaiser White would be the guy. But, hey, in the National Football League, you never know. At linebacker, that's one position where, man, they brought in a lot of bodies, and they don't really have any established guys. We'll continue this discussion. It's an interesting topic to bring up because team building is a 12-month thing. Howie Roseman never lets it sleep, and he's always trying to find ways to win in the margins. But before we do that, we have a message from our friends over at Built Bar. If you don't know what Built Bar is, by now, you haven't been listening to this show, but we'll tell you out exactly what it is. Our everydayers, Built Bar is not just the most amazing and healthy and delicious protein bar on the market. It is the longest running sponsor that we've had here at LOE. And what makes them so good to where we do not want to end this contract with them, that we love them so very much, that every time they renew, we get even happier when we get 12 boxes in our mailbox or we go to our local Walmart and buy a 13-bar box or actually a 4-bar box or go to Sam's Club and get the 13-bar box or get any flavor at Built.com. And I just can't stop with these things because they're only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. I'm slimming down for my wedding. I still have a terrible sweet tooth. I need a way to get over that hump. Built Bar is exactly that. I cannot get enough of the churro puff. They are truly one of a kind. If you want to try them out, go to Sam's Club today to get that brownie batter puff or churro puff. Walmart, you can get the cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff, and you could get whatever kind Built Bar has on the market over at Built.com. We love Built Bar. They're our number one sponsor for a reason. We can't get enough. They truly are addicting. Go get yourself a box of Built Bar today. All right, everybody, Gino Camilleri joining you here once again on this Friday edition of the show, the fifth and final episode this week of Locked On Eagles. We had four episodes that you can catch wherever you get your podcast, or if you want to catch it in video form, go over to YouTube as well. We're always up putting out shorts on YouTube as well. Lou puts out his written work over at Fox 43, and we're coming to you five days a week. You could get us any day of the week, wherever you get your podcast and in video form as well. Getting back to the conversation of undrafted free agents. We talked about what their UDFA pool was, what positions they brought in, in the mini camp invites, and where a player might be able to sneak his way onto the roster as somebody who never got their name called by the Eagles, wasn't a free agent addition, and just happened to be at a rookie mini camp. Well, I'd mentioned that they signed two wide receivers as UDFAs, Jaden Hazelwood and Joseph Nada, but they also brought in Jalen Hall, Gavin Holmes, and Garrett Mag. And you're probably saying, why? Why are they bringing in all of these bodies at wide receiver? Well, one, 
when you look at wide receiver and what the fifth and sixth guy on the roster has to offer, a lot of the times they are going to be competing for one of those punt gunning positions where they're double teamed on the outside. You need somebody who's a burner to get downfield. Zach McPherson has been exceptionally well at that position for the cornerbacks, but usually you're trying to sneak a corner or a wide receiver on as the fifth or sixth guy who can be that special teams ace. And in a pinch, he could be a guy that you rely on. And you bring in five of those players. That's a lot. We know the top of this Eagles roster is A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. It goes through them. But after that, the waters get a little murky. They bring in Olamide Zacchaeus. They have Quez Watkins. They brought in Tyree Cleveland as a street free agent last year. Britton Covey was your key punt returner and kick returner at times. Devin Allen has all the speed in the world, but he was stashed on the practice squad for most of the time. Greg Ward is still here. But beyond that, after the number two, paint the picture of what it is. I'd probably say OZ is your number three. Quez is your number four. But heck, you could move Quez Watkins. There was discussions that he might be traded. There were talks about that before the draft. If a team like the Tennessee Titans, who's so barren at the wide receiver position, gives you a fourth or fifth round pick next year for Quez, I think Howie Roseman takes that deal. There's nothing set in stone at the wide receiver position beyond A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. When you get to Britton Covey, yeah, he had an okay season returning the ball. Didn't do much for you in the past game, but he's the fifth guy. Greg Ward has been a journeyman. Devin Allen, it just seems they didn't want to play him. Maybe they're trying to continue to develop him. But if you're one of those five guys that came into the camp this weekend and you're working with that wide receivers coach, you should be his absolute best friend. You should find a way to take all the reps at special teams that you can. As a gunner, finding a way to be a punt defender, finding a way onto this roster any means necessary. The Eagles just bring in good track athletes, guys who can run, and at positions that they're not scared to go five or six deep. They'll take a sixth wide receiver on the 53 or a sixth cornerback on the 53 if you are good on special teams. And at a unit, being special teams that wasn't so good over the last couple seasons, why not? You can make that argument that one of these guys simply makes the roster in a couple months from now because he's your punt gunner. He's the best guy. Zach McPherson seems to have that locked up. Can one of those corners on the other side knock him off? I don't think so. I think there's more depth when it comes to Greedy Williams, when it comes to Josh Job and how they liked him on special teams last year. Wide receiver, it's wide open. Is Britton Covey's job set in stone? I wouldn't say so. Can one of those guys return the ball? Why not? That's what this time of the year is. Because when they come to full camp in a couple weeks from now, and you're around the rest of those guys, and you're knocked down the depth chart a little bit, the coaches are going to remember the guys that made their way in this rookie minicamp, and hey, maybe when cutdowns happen, if you continue to shine, you can wake, work your way onto this roster. 
And that's why you have agents. That's why you have front offices that have to make these deals. These things are important. This is winning in the margins. And these guys are coming here to achieve a dream. And at the same time, Howie Roseman wants them to succeed as much as they do because, heck, you find one of these diamonds in the rough, whatever area scout found this guy, if he gets his way out of the roster, he gets a bonus. Howie Roseman said that during the draft. So this is a collaborative effort. In a few days, just a few days, that you're able to kind of go over the threshold of what was the interview process and what was the pre-draft process without totally getting these guys onto your 90-man roster. That's what these mini-camp invites are what they're for. What the UDFAs are for are trying to find positions where you think you might be a little lighter, that maybe you might be able to find a guy. Could Brady Russell sneak his way on as a tight end, somebody who's an exceptional special teamer? Well, that's what he did at Colorado. Could one of the offensive tackles make it? Absolutely. Could a punter make it? Why not? That's what this time of the year is all about. Did we think Reed Blankenship, who signed out of Middle Tennessee, could be a Super Bowl starter for you when he signed here to Philadelphia last year? Not me, folks. I didn't believe so. But that's why we trust Howie Roseman. One thing Howie Roseman doesn't do, though, is assign jersey numbers. And that individual who assigns jersey numbers did a good job in some places and did a very bad job in others. And we love Jersey analytics over here at Lockdown Eagles podcast. So we're going to finish up this Friday edition of the show talking exactly that. Who got the good numbers and who got the yuck numbers for the Philadelphia Eagles veterans and the rookies finishing up Friday's show after this. All right, everybody finishing up this Friday edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. Once again, I am Gino Camilleri, your host. Join us for five episodes next week. Watch this Watch or listen this fifth episode this week, which you're probably already doing if you are hearing my voice. We thank you for joining us each and every day. That's why you, you at home, are the everydayers. We rely on you to keep us going. Without you, I'm just talking to my co-host, Lou DiBiase, through a microphone, sounding like an idiot, having conversations about the Philadelphia Eagles. But we're talking about fun things over here at LOE. There's always some hidden analytics in football. And one of those analytics is jersey analytics. If you're someone like me, I'm very superstitious. Lou loved this, loves this stuff. He breaks down the colors of the pants and the jerseys and the helmet combinations that they wear. But the one thing that can make or break your career before you even step foot in the building before you even lace up the pads one time, is what jersey number you're assigned. And that's exactly what happened. We're going to break down what jersey numbers the guys that were acquired on the draft got, and then my favorite of all of the jersey numbers handed out, and what were the absolute worst. So breaking down what happened draft day. They get DeAndre Carter, DeAndre Carter, DeAndre Swift, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Tyler Steen, Sidney Brown, Keely Ringo, Tanner McKee, and Moro Ojomo. They acquired all these guys on that day. Most of them outside of Swift talked to the media today. Swift talked to the media two days ago. But then we found out what their jersey numbers were. DeAndre Swift will be the very first Philadelphia Eagle to ever grace the number zero. First pick at nine overall will be big number 98, Jalen Carter. Nolan Smith. What a clean number. He goes from four at Georgia to three in Philadelphia. Tyler Steen gets number 56. Sidney Brown gets number 43. Keely Ringo gets 37. 
Tanner McKee gets number 10. That Gardner Minshew left when he goes to Indianapolis. And Moro Jomo gets a classic interior defensive line number at number 72. There's some good ones. There's some bad ones. My favorite of the bunch, though, DeAndre Swift getting number zero is chef's kiss. It's so clean. When you see that number zero zipping down the field for a wide open touchdown after a nice little screen pass where he breaks one or two tackles, whew, those pictures that they're going to get, the photoshops are already unbelievable. I can't believe, I can't imagine when you get some nice shots of him at Lincoln Financial Field. Number three, Nolan Smith going from four at Georgia to three single digits. Keep it short and sweet. Hassan Riddick, number seven. You see seven and three coming at you off the edge. I think that's an unbelievably good number. It just feels good to get edge rushers in those numbers. Those guys are skill position players, man. A four, three, nine, forty from Nolan Smith. He's running faster than some of the Eagles wide receivers. Olemide Zacchaeus gets number 13. Keep the wide receivers in those numbers 11 through 17 and continue to keep them in the 80s as well. But more and more are going to the teens. We'll get more and more in the single digits, but 13 is clean for OZ. And my final favorite one, Rashad Penny at 23. I just think running backs look good in odd numbers. 23, fantastic. 23 and zero and 14 with Kenny Gainwell. What a combination. I love that backfield. There's some that I don't love, though. And, man, we got to start with the punter, Tyler Zentner. If you come to camp and you get number 49 as a punter, man, I know there's only other one other guy on the roster, but that's not looking good for you, pal. That's an ugly number. That That's the last number out of the box. That thing hasn't been worn in quite some time. A couple other ugly ones all happen to be in the 40s. Nicholas Morrow getting 41. Yuck as a linebacker. Just terrible. Sidney Brown, 43. I know he said that the jersey doesn't matter. He'll just make whatever jersey look cool with 10 interceptions and a bunch of pass breakups. I get it, Sid, but 43 is just a preposterous number to be wearing at safety. As well as Makai Garner wearing 46 as a corner. I know he's an undrafted free agent. We just have to go double numbers at some point like they do in college. One on the offensive side of the ball, one on the defensive side of the ball. If they keep retiring numbers, that's the direction that we're going to have to go to. And you could say that Jalen Hurts going from number two to number one might have been the final cherry on the cake to propel them to the Super Bowl. I'm only kidding. We have fun here at the Lockdown Eagles podcast, but that's going to do it. A nice, simple Friday edition for you. Talking Eagles minicamp, talking Jersey analytics. We'll be back next week with five episodes like we do each and every week. Until then, join us on Twitter where we're always talking about the birds. You could follow me at GC24 underscore football. Follow my co-host Lou DiBiase at DiBiase LOE. Follow the main page at Lockdown Birds. Follow all the shows over at the Lockdown Podcast Network. Follow Lockdown Sixers and Lockdown Phillies while they're rocking and rolling in season. Make sure you are checking us out wherever you get your podcast for free or in video form over at YouTube. We'll be back for five episodes next week talking more post-Eagles draft, maybe some more moves to come in the month of May, and how close is this team to once again being a perfect 53. We'll see over the next couple months. But until then, thank you for downloading. Thank you for watching and listening. I'm Gino Camilleri, as always, signing off. Fly, Eagles, fly.